Last week on Let's Talk Supply Chain, I was joined by Richard White from WiseTech Global. It was a joy to have one of the best-known tech brands in the industry on the show, and there was so much I wanted to talk about, and we covered a lot of ground. I asked Richard about his career journey from his early days at a musical repair shop through to founding what is now a $21 billion logistics tech company. We talked about WiseTech's services, culture, and acquisition strategy. We talked about the industry and education within supply chain. It was just so much fun. And Richard is such a great guest. So I hope you enjoyed it because I certainly did. But remember that if you missed it, you can catch up over on letstalksupplychain.com, on our YouTube channel, or anywhere else that you subscribe to the show. It was episode 346. Let's Talk Supply Chain is not your average supply chain podcast. We feature not just the top of the industry, but also diverse voices from within the community, new innovations, and the disruptors making waves in the industry. Don't listen to the same old, same old. Be sparked by new ideas and fresh perspectives only on Let's Talk Supply Chain. When you're looking for cutting-edge resources on innovation and trends across supply chain, where do you go? What about when you're on a mission to find like-minded professionals and cultivate relationships that go beyond an emoji reaction? And what about when you're trying to generate leads, build campaigns, and get ahead of the game in the unique world of supply chain marketing? Supply Chain has been missing a single collaborative hub that brings people and ideas together in an environment that is safe yet stimulating for everyone until now. Just one platform that's as dynamic and innovative as you are. Welcome to the Secret Society of Supply Chain, a private network for the supply chain community. An industry first brought to you by supply chain media entrepreneur, Sarah Barnes Humphrey. The Secret Society of Supply Chain brings professionals of all backgrounds and experience levels together in the industry's largest dynamic network, focusing on industry learning and career development, as well as networking and community. The Secret Society of Supply Chain hosts all the content, connection, and creativity you need for supply chain success. But which group is for you? Well, head over to letstalksupplychain.com, find the Secret of Society banner, and take the quiz and join our waitlist. There are limited number of spots available, so make sure to get on that waitlist so that you are one of the first into the Secret Society of Supply Chain. Hello, and welcome back to Let's Talk Supply Chain. Before we dive in, I'm going to ask you a question. So today's guest owns a 3PL, but can you guess how much the 3PL market is projected to be worth by the end of 2023? Well, let me tell you, it's a lot. So let us know what you think over on social media and keep listening because all will be revealed at the end of the show. So today, I'm excited to welcome a founder, CEO, project management professional, and certified scrum master to our Woman in Supply Chain series. And if you're wondering exactly what a certified scrum master is, then stay tuned because all will be revealed along with today's guests after our poll of the week. So the question that we asked you, what is your ideal work environment? 74% of you said, I like creating my schedule. 25% of you said, I prefer having a set routine. And then we had some comments. So Yesenia, I'd say a little bit of both. Happy medium between taking the thought of it and also allowing flexibility to create 
based on priorities. Clydeen, hybrid. I have some things that are set and then others that vary depend on what is needed. And then Shannon uh, said set routine. Now, it's interesting because I recently had a discussion for Blended about this particular question as well. And the episode was about anxiety. A lot of people are experiencing anxiety thinking about going back into the workplace full time. But then on the other side of the spectrum, a lot of people are experiencing anxiety if they're fully remote from uh, loneliness. And so the fact that we had a lot of comments about the hybrid approach really, really makes sense to me. So thank you so much to everybody who weighed in on the question of the week. We ask you a question on Instagram and LinkedIn every single Wednesday morning. So make sure to head over there and have your voice heard. So now back to today's episode. And the wonderful woman in supply chain I have with me today is Saritha Willingham. Saritha's impressive corporate career spans from financial data analysis and IT project management to strategic planning and execution. And utilizing all of that knowledge and experience, Saritha went on to found SJW Logistics, a 3PL providing freight transportation, warehousing, and e-commerce fulfillment services. SJW has been recognized as the top 10 3PL by the Logistics and Transportation Review Magazine and as one of the top 10 fastest growing transportation companies by Business Chief Magazine. Today, Saritha will be talking to us about her career so far, swapping the corporate world for entrepreneurship, the challenges of scaling a business during a global pandemic, and the secret to her success. Plus, she'll be sharing her experiences as a woman in supply chain, as well as her words of advice for all of the women following in her footsteps. Now, this Woman in Supply Chain feature was sponsored by GoFreight. Sponsoring the Woman in Supply Chain series is of utmost importance to GoFreight and the industry as a whole. Recognizing the underrepresentation of women in the traditionally male-dominated supply chain field, this initiative aims to empower and elevate talented women professionals in the industry. By supporting this series, GoFreight demonstrates a commi- its commitment to diversity, inclusion, and equal opportunities for all. Encouraging and promoting women in supply chain roles not only brings fresh perspectives and innovative ideas to the table, but also fosters a more inclusive and balanced work environment. Through sponsorship, GoFreight actively encourages female talent to pursue careers in this field, inspiring the next generation of women leaders in supply chain management. For more about GoFreight, head over to GoFreight.com. So welcome to the show, Sarita. Thank you for having me. How are you doing today? Oh, I'm so excited to have you on the show. I mean, the audience knows that my background is in 3PLs, so I have a bit of a soft spot for women in the industry, and I could talk to you all day about 3PLs alone, but I promise I won't. We will talk about other things as well, and I'm really looking forward to just digging into your founder story and the secrets of your success. So let's just dive right in because we've got a lot to talk about today. I always like starting at the beginning to really show how far our guests have come. So what did your early years look like? What was the dream? Oh, wow. Like most people, I had a dream of probably doing like 20 years in the military because I started started my career in the military. And then um, I decided I didn't want to do that. I went to college and I thought I wanted to be a dentist, then switched to nursing, 
then switched to accounting <laughs> and <laughs> finance. So my uh, background is actually in accounting finance. I have a degree in finance there. And I ended up working for the Coca-Cola company. You know, I started my career as a collection uh, representative. And then I moved up into project management and, and being able to make changes within an organization on projects and all that good stuff. I found a love for that. And then I left Coca-Cola and went to XPO Logistics, which is where it all started with my career that I am in now, which is having a 3PL. But I learned so much from there, just from being in the IT department and being able to make changes there. So, you know, I was like most people had a lot of dreams and aspirations, doing different things, wanted to be in different things. But I landed here. <laughs> hey, I'm so glad that you started with that because I am a big proponent of try things, figure out what you like, what you don't like, and keep moving, right? Keep moving yes. forward and just learn from those lessons. Don't think of it like a failure. It's not a failure. I mean, how are you going to know what you want to do unless you try, right? And so you mentioned that your your first big job out of university was at Coca-Cola, and you worked there for nearly seven and a half years. And so it sounds like that kind of maybe built the foundation of your career. Can you walk us through that journey? Because I think you started off, like you said, as collections rep, you went to analyst and ended as a project manager. Yes. So I'll, I'll tell you a funny story before I get into that is I used to go to Atlanta and stay with my aunt during the summers. And I used to pass by the Coca-Cola company because that's where their headquarters is. Yeah. And I remember being 16 years old and saying, I'm going to work there one day. That's going to be my wow. job one day. And it's so funny. My first job offer out of college was at the Coca-Cola company. You manifested <laughs> so, it. I mean, yes. power of manifestation. Yes. Speaking it into existence. Didn't realize I had that much power back then. <laughs> <laughs> um I I started there. I got hired as my first role as collection representative. Um and it started in their AR department, of course. And I was able to learn, you know, supply chain because a lot of things I was collecting on was in their supply chain department uh, as well. And then I moved into a data analyst role. So within my first year, I was being promoted because I was, you know, performing so well. And I moved into a data analyst role. Where I started learning EI and all that good stuff. And I worked on accounts that were electronic because a lot of people you know, don't understand in collections, there's a manual side and then there's an electronic side. And I learned that at an early age. So I moved into the EDI role, working on their accounts that were passed due to technical issues and stuff like that. Then after that, I moved into a business analyst role where Coca-Cola had started this department in this new role because they were having trouble uh, recouping their warranty. So it still had a little collection in it, but it was different. Um, department and it was more supply chain, of course, but I was able to also learn logistics through that because I was working with their suppliers that install, uh, manufactured and installed the fountain machines into businesses. Wow. So I was able to help them save like $8 million in warranty claims because they weren't doing it before. <laughs> so Wow. They were repairing it, didn't realize their machine on the warranty, and they could have got reimbursed. So <clears throat> as a business analyst, 
being able to do that and save the company money, of course, I was a shining star there. And then they said, won't you get into the Six Sigma program and do our Six Sigma program? So I went from there from Green Belt to Black Belt and realized like, oh, this, uh, I did my first project and I was like, oh, I'm really good at project management and coordination <laughs> and organization and all that good stuff. And I was also working on my master's degree in business management at the time. So once I finished my project and, and received my green belt certification and got into the black belt program, I started working on my project management certification. I received that. And then, you know, my journey to Coke came to an end because I received some attractive job offers right. outside of Coca-Cola. Amazing. So what was it like working for a huge brand like that? Like, talk to us about the culture. I mean, you stayed there for seven and a half years. So I'm I'm guessing that the culture was was fairly good, um, but talk to us what it was like to to really work with a big brand. What you learned from the atmosphere, the organization, the culture. Because as a founder of your own business, I'm sure you've taken bits and pieces from all the places that you've worked. So, what in particular did you learn from Coca Cola? I can say I. It, Every job has their ups and downs, right? So there were advantages and disadvantages for working with Coca-Cola. Mm -hmm. I can say fresh out of college, it taught me professionalism, customer service. I was already disciplined because I was in the military. So, you know, but just seeing how they value their customers, something we've lost <laughs> um, there throughout the pandemic is customer service, you know, mm -hmm. and just being able to have those core values. They were so big on core values and missions and, you know, everyone being on the same page and having that vision. So just being able to learn that in my early 20s <laughs> was amazing because yeah. a lot of things I didn't understand, I did not see, it didn't mean anything to me, but it meant something to them. I was able to transition that into how I run my, my company today and how I treat my team today. But they they were amazing at marketing. Mm -hmm. um, even though they're a beverage company, they're more known for marketing. So it taught me a valuable lesson that you know, no matter what brand you have, it's all about how you market it, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. And then you said you went to XPO Logistics. I mean, talk about shift, right? <laughs> You're going from a from a consumer brand to a, a large logistics firm. Talk to us about your time there. What did the journey look like? What did you learn from that experience? So that's funny because it it, it, it was like I went from a well-organized a uh, train ride to a train derailing. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest with you. Um, but in, in it wasn't XPO. XPO, at the time that I went there, they had acquired and merged with a lot of companies. So the company I went with was a company that they had acquired oh, to add to the last mile division. So these people were true small business, brick and mortar. They got acquired by a big company. So I went there thinking that it was going to be very professional Coca-Cola-like <laughs> there. And it was like a culture shock for me. You know, there are things that happened. I was like, oh, this would have never happened at Coke. Oh, they could talk to me. They could do this. So it was really just seeing the difference. It, But what I, I will say, it helped me out so much because that's where I was able to see uh, acquisition happen, um, how to transition through an acquisition. I was able to, I worked next to the CEO, the upper president. 
So I was able to hear their stories, understand, you know, how that they got to where they are to get uh, bought out by such a large company. But I would definitely say the company grew faster than the people which, like I say, Coco, they're established, they're experienced, they know processes and procedures mm-hmm. where there were, everything had to be created at this company I went to when XP acquired them. <laughs> Right. Yeah, I've I've been through that and processed. It just makes you realize how important the process really is. But at the end of the day, when you get to mold your own, it's kind of exciting, right? It's kind of fun. So what did you learn from that culture that you took into your own business? What I learned, um, like I say, at Coca-Cola, everything's already drawn out processes. Everything's already there. So you get to follow that. But being able to create my own I was able to test a lot of my education and learning and awesome. experiences. And I learned, hey, communication never fails. <laughs> being mm-hmm. able to communicate, I was uh, being able to give out a clear plan, clear direction. I saw the value of that uh, to the people, the organization that I was, I was running because I had a team in India that I was managing, you know, from the IT standpoint and yeah. development. So it was so much so much that I learned, you know, at, like I said, I was still young <laughs> there. I was in my early thirties and it was like, wow, I have this much power. Cause normally it, you don't get that type of power with an established company and, and being able to educate people who are senior to me, right. let them know and let have them being able to trust me and my, my vision and my thought process, put things in place. It was an amazing experience when I look back on it. Amazing. And then from there, you founded your own 3PL called SJW Logistics. What made you take that leap after less than five years in logistics to starting your own company? Yeah. So the the good thing, the funny thing about working for a company that's been acquired, they were once an entrepreneur, right? So. Right. I learned that every time I met somebody in the company or talked to them, they were also an entrepreneur. They had once sold their company to this company. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> so this company is made up of a bunch of entrepreneurs, you know, that sold something to get here and took a position with the company once they got ready to be acquired. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, well, how did you get that? I started asking questions. Um, and I didn't look at my role as a project manager as just a job. It was truly an education piece to me, just mm-hmm. educate myself on the different lines, different things, different mm-hmm. organizations, different departments. So I did driver rides, I did warehouse visits, you know, different things like that. Because I had to do it for the project, but it was also for me too, just to learn. And then I thought, well, if they did it, I think I could do this too. I may not be as big, but I think I could do this too. And then I started talking to a longtime friend that had, you know, we went to elementary school together, we were best friends ever since, and he he was a truck driver. He still is. And I'm like, okay, you've been doing it for 20 years. Tell me what you know. You know, I started getting that level of experience, that knowledge, and looked at how XPO or the, the previous company did to get where they are. And I said, I'm going to try it. I'm going to try it with one truck. <laughs> that, and that's how... That's how I got started. 
That's amazing. Congratulations. So talk us through the process. What did it look like? Because I think you also had the additional pressure of the pandemic as well. So (laughs) walk us through how you managed through the pandemic, how you decided, you know, maybe on the name of the company and what what it's been like to to build that business. So I ended up you know, for the trucking side, it was actually starting in 2017, but I acquired it. So I ended up making a deal. I was like, I'm going to go this route, you know, get something a little little more established. I had been working with them as a consultant okay. um, for the company. So I was giving those strategies and plans. But I was like, I'm building this. I could just take it over. So 2020, I got laid off because all my projects got put on hold. Nobody needed IT work <laughs> it right. during the pandemic, you know. And so I worked out a deal, acquired their trucking side, renamed it, all that good stuff. And it had, they had five trucks and I took it to 12 trucks by October because wow. I did the model of leasing on, on operators, you know, let's grow because in 2020, you know, what was a big thing was trucking. We need truck drivers. We need products delivered. We need products manufactured. So we took advantage of that. And then by the end of 2020, we thought like, oh, we're doing really, really well. So how about we expand from SJW Trucking and Delivery into SJW Logistics and open a warehouse? So in 2021, we moved into a 22,000 square foot warehouse Ooh. to make the full service 3PL. So that way for our customers, because during the pandemic when it was really strong, you know, everybody needed warehousing, cross docking, they were over ordering, a fear of a shutdown, you know, all that good stuff. And our customers were like, can you help them? So we moved into the warehouse. And then last year, I said um, a lot of the equipment that we had was older equipment. So with older equipment comes maintenance issues. Right. So we said, okay, well, our customers still want us to figure this thing out for them. So let us open a brokerage. And now we have what I call the true full service 3PL. There's, we can do everything for our customer logistic wise, all on one invoice. Amazing. And so how is everything going so far in 2023? <laughs> I tell people 2023 is like a roller coaster. We're up one minute, down the next, <laughs> up one minute, down the next. Um, there we, we, we had put our original growth plan on hold from 2021 because of some shifts and changes in the, the economy. Then we said we we're going to pick it up in 2022. Once parts started getting in, our equipment can come back up. That didn't happen. So now we're like, we're going to make a run for it. We're going to pick back up with our original growth plan to get to 25 trucks by the end of 2023. Mm-hmm. And now we're at 18 trucks. So we're well on our way. Um, there and then we're just going to uh, also grow our order fulfillment side. So 2023, we're definitely seeing improvement in the business compared to when the shift started in 2022. But like everyone, most businesses <laughs> there, we're we're experiencing the roller coaster ride with the economy of things that we cannot control. Well, and you described entrepreneurship at its finest, right? I think entrepreneurship and and owning a business is quite the roller coaster ride and it depends on a whole bunch of different factors and navigating through and pivoting and shifting. I mean, they talk about in supply chain agility, right? And resilience. 
Well, you definitely need to have both of those to be an entrepreneur. But what is your secret of your success? Because I was reading a post of yours on LinkedIn where you talked about the challenges you face and the fact that our lives and careers are often not smooth sailing, which you just mentioned, right? So Mm -hmm. how have you managed to navigate everything you faced and just succeed? I think I've managed to face it again. I got to give credit to my past career because, you know, in corporate America, they're always talking about cash flow issues, sales going down, you know, everything's based off sales. So <laughs> I've been able to look at that and say, okay, I'm experiencing a similar challenge on a smaller level. So how did they overcome it? How did they do it? What can I do to, to do that? And uh, a lot of it is, again, communication, talking with my vendors. Um, they're letting them know we're partners. We're not just, you know, vendor supplier. We're partners. Um, right. And being able to, you know, sometimes we have to take a step back and say, I can't control everything. This may have to play out. I can't make it work. I can't figure it out. I can't work a miracle. Mm-hmm. You know, different things like that. I think has contributed to my success, being able to have that level head to know how to balance things out when they have. Yeah. And I think what you're talking about is really a mix of your the education that you did and then the real world hands-on experience and being able to bring those two together, right? Yes. Yes, I. That's why I say I value it so much because yeah. my team tells me all the time, you know, and and I have a team that comes from different backgrounds, not all logistics or whatever, and they tell me their opinion on things, and then they'll say you're so quiet or you didn't say anything, and you did because I'm thinking in the background. I like to think first mm. before I react <laughs> there, and yeah. that's so critical in entrepreneurship. So you're a woman of color and you've moved through big corporate to male dominated logistics industry to founder and CEO. Can you talk to us about how, what your experience has been? I mean, if we have anybody of color that's, you know, or any uh, underrepresented groups that are listening to this and are so motivated by your story. Talk to us about your experience and maybe what you would tell them about, you know, navigating through corporate or navigating through male dominated or really navigating the entrepreneurship side. I would just tell them, you know, I I was scared too. I was nervous. It took me a year before I finally pulled the plug <laughs> there and said, I'm going to do this. It all was because of the chatter in my ear. In corporate America, I applied, I applied for positions. I knew I was the most qualified. I knew I had put in the work, but I was denied. So mm-hmm. that did not stop me because I looked at it as, well, I'm going to go a different route, you know, and so when I said, told family and friends, you know, I'm thinking about going ahead on and, and starting this trucking and logistics company. You know, that was the first thing we said. Oh, there's a lot of men in that industry. You got to be in a network or you got to be in with this person or you got to have a partnership here or you got to build a relationship here. It's going to be tough because, you know, it's women and they don't know this. And, you know, I heard it. I received it. But I said, I am different. I am different. I know how to handle myself. I know how to uh, listen because a lot of times people just want to be heard. <laughs> so I know how to listen. And I'm not going to let that intimidate me. I'll be able to. And luckily, 
my experience in going to XPO, it was majority men there. <laughs> so I already had to fight my way through things right. <laughs> there anyway to be heard. So to me, I think it was just another challenge that I had to overcome. Mm-hmm. And I just had to weed out the noise, weed out the chatter. And honestly, some of the most people, the some of the people that admire me the most are males. Some of the people that help me the most are males. So I tell people, don't let that intimidate you because they're human just like we are in, in this industry. And they all just want to work with someone and help them get to the next level, just like you want to get to the next level. Yeah, I love I love what you're you're speaking about there. And I think also, you know, there's two things that I got from that. One is be careful where you take advice from. Yeah. Right? <laughs> because not everybody has been down your path. And so it's great to hear it and receive it. And you're grateful for people who want to look out for you, right? But yeah. it doesn't mean that you actually have to like fully take it in and make it either your fear or your motivation, right? It that that motivation has to come with from within, and you like literally just decided. Well, hey, I know me. I know what I can do. I know what I can't do, and I know that I can do this. And nobody's going to tell me any different. And so I'm going to try it and do it anyway, regardless of whatever noise comes with it. And I think those are the two really key pieces from from that story. And I appreciate you for sharing that. Thank you. Thank you. I tell people a lot of times the worst can happen is you fail. (laughs) Well, and it's not even really failure, right? I think we need to change Mm -hmm. that word because it's really about lessons learned. As long as you take something from it and you learn from it, can we really call it a failure? That is true. Because once you learn from it, you're able to go back and try it again a different way, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely. Now, when I did the research for this episode, you're part of the Scrum Alliance, which I've never heard of before. (laughs) But I went, when I looked into it, it just makes complete sense. So explain to us who they are, and the importance of agility and community modern workplaces. Yes, so the Scrum Alliance is another form of a project management organization where um, you do things at a faster pace. So you have your traditional project management and project um, that you could do where you have timelines that could be two, three years long. And then you have your, your scrum way of managing projects where you move things faster, right? So in this world, everything has to move fast. <laughs> there, we want to launch a new system. It has to come out fast. Um, just think COVID speeded up people using the internet probably by 10 years at this point because <laughs> everything's online. You know, people learn how to do it, especially brick and mortar. So with the Scrum Alliance, I'm a certified Scrum Master, meaning that I am able to put together a project at a fast pace where we can accomplish, we may not accomplish the whole entire project or the whole entire goal um, there, but we break it up in bits and pieces to accomplish uh, certain aspects of that project very quickly. Amazing. Amazing. Now, I guess the question that I really want to ask you now is, can you really have it all? I mean, we've talked about agility. We've talked about community. 
And we've talked about, or we haven't really talked about, you know, work-life balance and the importance of boundaries. So as a wife, mother, entrepreneur, and very busy CEO, how do you manage everything? Like what tips or advice can you share to help anyone that might be struggling to find that balance? And when I say work-life balance, I use that very, very, very strategically (laughs) because (laughs) to me, it's like a lot of people look at it like 50-50, but it's kind of like a relationship, right? Some days you're going to be 80% one way, some ways you're going to be 80% the other way. And so when we talk about balance, how do you see balance and how does that work for you? For me, um, how I see balance is our heads are wrapped around technology, right? So I always tell people that little thing that you talk on all the time (laughs) there, that telephone or cell phone, that is how I balance out my life. When you're an entrepreneur, you're a mother, wife, all that, you're very busy. So it's so easy to forget the important things um, there. So what I do is, to balance myself out, I put a lot of reminders in my phone. So my phone is like my second brain <laughs> there. So it, it reminds me, hey, it's sad to say this, but hey, your child's birthday is coming up. You're going to do a party. You got two weeks from now. Go ahead and take this out, you know, or this is coming up for your anniversary or you have this appointment at work or you need to go to this event. So I find my balance through my phone, to be honest, with my calendar. Being able to Put things on the calendar. It reminds me where I need to be. I'm able to block off time to say, you know what? I'm not taking a meeting this day. I'm not doing um, any appointments or anything. I'm going to just spend time with my family. So it's all about, for me, everything has to be organized, documented. That's just my life at this point. But that is how I find that balance to feel like I have it all <laughs> there even though I don't, and you know, it don't always go as planned, but for the most part, I feel I have a, a great work-life balance um, there. And I also have a team, so I do believe in delegating as well. Yeah. 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 And the team is really important, right? But also understanding with ebbs and flows, the team is going to change. It's going to expand, you know, it's going to go, you're going to need different people for different things. And, but it's very important to find those. And how do you find those team members, right? Because I remember you talking about a Coca-Cola, they were very much about core values. Is that how you sort of run the company? Is that what you are instilling into your team members as well? Is that important? Yes. So we we do have our team meetings. We have our one-on-ones, just like I'm in corporate America. Um, there and I, I tell them the vision. I tell them if the company is going well, if it's going bad, if we have a hiccup. We, you know, just being able to communicate. But it also lets me know if we're all on the same page. Do we have the same vision? Because you know my vision. Are you on board with that same vision that I have? Yeah. Yeah. And I think also you probably do this in your one-on-ones, but making sure that they are living their best lives too, that they've got the work-life balance, that what they're doing with you is on track to what they see for their future and their career as well, right? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Because the people that are like, you know, my vision is to one day exit. So I don't want my people just to be in the same position. I want them to be able to grow to the next level as well. And you're very honest and upfront about that, Mm -hmm. which I like. Like some people don't talk about that. Some people sort of like keep that guarded. 
right? <laughs> but it sounds like you are very open, honest, and authentic, not only with customers, but also your internal teams. And I think that is also a secret to your success as well, which I'm so glad you shared that with us. So one more piece of advice. What advice do you have for girls and women looking to follow in your footsteps and for organizations looking to improve or better support up-and-coming women in the industry? I would advise anyone looking to follow in my footsteps. I think what has contributed to the most success that I have is having a mentor, having multiple advisors, having a consultant, being able to invest in myself. I didn't try to figure it out um, there on my own. I I really talked to people that were more experienced, that had advice. And then I didn't just talk to people that were just in logistics industry. I talked to people that were in different industries because at the end of the day, it takes the whole, you know, it takes a village <laughs> there to, to make this work. So I wanted to hear from others as well that were entrepreneurs outside of logistics and how they've been. And my one of my uh, mentors has been in business for 30 years um, mm-hmm. there, and he has a granite manufacturing company. So, you know, just being able to for him to share his knowledge and wisdom, I would advise everyone to get you a mentor, or a coach, or someone you're thinking you'll you'll save money because you'll get the the right advice up front on how to get started, what direction you want to go, and then. Um, just with, you know, corporations trying to diversify their, you know, their team and, and add more women in there, I would I would definitely recommend to them because I went through that in in corporate America is to make sure that they are really sincere about it. You know, it's not something they're doing for <clears throat> for publicity, but it's something they're doing to be able to show that. Women are just as smart and they can run an organization very well and help them accomplish their goals as well. So walk me through how you found those mentors or um, consultants to support you, because I get a lot of people that reach out about mentorship, right? And one of the first things that I'll do is I will give them something to do Mm -hmm. because if they'll do it, then I'll invest the time. But I, and I want to mentor people, but I want to mentor people who want to be mentored and who are going to take action with the time that we spend together, because that's very, very, very important to me. And so Mm -hmm. if they don't do the action, and it's a very small action, they don't do the action, then to me, it means that they are not ready for mentorship. um, And I'm not ready to be able to provide that to them. And so walk me through what that looks like for you or how you found it or what that relationship looks like, because I think it's very important for people to really understand, you know, when they're giving their their time to you to be able to give you that advice and to mentor, it still comes at a price. Yes. Yes. And you hit the nail on the head about being serious. Give them a task. If they don't complete it, they're not serious. So I think a lot of people need to understand that, that time is very valuable. And if you're seeking that person out for their advice or their wisdom or for them to coach, they, they, if they take time out their day, you know, and ask you to do something. So they're trying to learn about what your goal is and what you're trying to accomplish, you don't do it. No one wants to invest in that. We all want to invest in someone that's serious, right? So finding 
my mentor, it started because Coca-Cola had the mentor mentee program. Oh, okay. Nice. <laughs> so I learned at an early age the importance of having a mentor mentee to get to the next level. So I kept expanding from there. That's why I reached out to my best friend and told him what my idea was. Like, okay, you coached me through this. And then I met others. I started seeking others and told them, like, look, could you be my mentor? Could you be my coach? Could you give me advice? Could I do consulting with you? You know, I wasn't afraid to ask for it because I learned at an early age how much it helped me with getting my promotions and different things and learning things um, there before I got into different job roles. So um, I would definitely advise people if you're going to reach out and someone gives you an assignment to do, because I do the same thing, <laughs> do the assignment, <laughs> complete the assignment. When they don't complete the assignment, I don't entertain it either because it's like I did the homework. That's one of the most important things is you got to do the work. You got to do the homework. The person wants to help you. They want to know what direction you want to go. Then yeah. I was also in the... um. But at the time, it was called the Emerging Leader Program. Now they call it the SBA Thrive. Okay. So from there, they give you a ton of mentors and coaches because they're helping you get your business. They want to help your business get to the next level and be able to sustain. So from there, I picked up more experienced, long-term entrepreneurs that were able to mentor and coach me who have had their business much longer than me. And, nice. and that has been very helpful. That's a great resource. So finally then, what does the future hold for you? Well, the future holds, like you say, on our 2023 plans, and we're going to start 2024 planning, just trying to stabilize in this, this roller coaster market, as I call it, and economy there. And then we want to, like I say, we want to continue working on our long-term business plan and and, and grow our company and make it more attractive so one day either be acquired or merge into a bigger company. We want to grow. Amazing. Amazing. Well, what a pleasure. I really enjoyed, I always enjoy speaking to you. And as Sarita has said herself, life is not a smooth road. We all face financial, physical, mental challenges, obstacles that do their best to tri trip us up when we least expect it. But the key is not to give up. We just might need to be a bit more creative and strategic in our thinking. And we also need to remember that we're not alone. So many others are on their own bumpy roads and to lead with kindness and empathy is truly to find the way to shared success. So Sarita, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Where can everybody find SJW Logistics? We are on LinkedIn under SJW Logistics. We are on Instagram at SJW Logistics. We're also on Facebook at SJW Logistics. So we're on mostly all of the social media platforms. They can also email us or go to our website, SJWLogistics.com and reach us from there as well. Well, and before we go, did you have a guess at today's big question? Well, at the top of the show, I asked you, how much is the 3PL market projected to be worth by the end of 2023? It's a huge $287.3 billion. So for any of you that have friends or family that don't understand the importance of logistics, why not reveal that stat at the dinner table tonight? Remember to keep listening for more questions, keep engaging and reaching out on social media, and we may have some very special prizes to give away. Thanks again, Sarita, for joining me today. Thank you for having me.
Did you know that the average cost of losing an hourly supply chain worker has reached $19,607? And that recent research shows that 77% of hourly supply chain workers are considering a job change in the next three months. This could have a huge impact on your productivity, bottom line, and culture. Workstep is helping supply chain companies to better engage their distributed hourly workforce at scale. Understand the true reasons behind their workforce turnover and take actions to make positive changes and reduce attrition. Workstep has successfully helped many companies reduce their frontline worker turnover by up to 36%. Visit workstep.com to learn more. So did you have a guess at today's big question? At the top of the show, I asked you, how much is the 3PL market projected to be worth by the end of 2023? Well, it's a huge $287.3 billion. For any of you that have friends or family that don't understand the importance of logistics, why not reveal that stat at the dinner table tonight? And remember to keep listening for more questions, keep engaging and reaching out on social media, and we may have some very special prizes to give away. And if you'd like to hear more from us at Let's Talk Supply Chain, we have plenty more content for you featuring the best and brightest in the industry. Head over to letstalksupplychain.com to check out the latest. And remember, if you have a supply chain challenge, we've most likely had the solution on the show. So put in your keyword in the search bar and all that content will come up and you can listen to the podcast episodes as to who they are, what they do, and uh, how they can potentially help you. And remember to come back next week when I'm going to be joined by Seco Logistics. That's right. Brian Burke is back with me. And we recorded this episode at Home Delivery World. We're talking all about last mile delivery experience. I was on stage with him and Traeger Grills um, for a really robust discussion about what that delivery experience is, what it could be, how we have gotten through the pandemic. What are the trends now? So you're going to get so many amazing insights from that particular episode. So make sure that you tune in. And if you enjoy our show, there's a few ways to support us. You can follow us on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram. We're also over on TikTok. You can subscribe to our newsletter at letstalksupplychain.com. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel, Let's Talk Supply Chain. And remember, if you're looking for some really cool merch or even get our supply chain dictionary for free, you can head over to Let's Talk Supply Chain com. Our merch is in our shop and we've got some good stuff for those who are in your life that are supply chainers. Plus, we've got the Secret Society of Supply Chain, or, uh, uh, sorry, Secret Society of Supply Chain, which is our new membership community-based group. Now, if you have not taken the quiz, have, head over to the website, take the quiz, join the waitlist, because we are going to be launching very, very soon. You've got exclusive content from companies like Sleep Number, Logitech, Best Buy, Zappos, Macy's, HP, and so, so much more. Plus, we've got some monthly meetups group specifically for women in supply chain, marketing professionals in supply chain, and you won't want to miss out. So head over there, take the quiz, join the waitlist, and we will be in touch. But we've got limited spots, so hurry and do that today. And remember, if you'd like to be featured on an upcoming episode, head over to Apple Podcasts and rate and review the show. Have a great week, everyone. Thanks for listening. And remember, ship happens.